We're doing a cannonball. Wall Street Journal on Friday said this. Friday's Wall Street Journal. Again, raise your hand if you don't have dog tags. Just raise your hand. We're going to get around to you. Okay. Did you guys just forget them? What the heck? What's going on? All right. Give them all their dog tags. Um, Wall Street Journal on Friday. Leading economic indicators jumped. I didn't make this word up. They did. Jumped in October, suggesting some momentum building in the U.S. economy, according to data released Friday. The October increase was better than expected by U.S. economists. Why? Because we're doing cannonball. I'm taking credit for that right there. We're affecting the entire economy because we're starting to think about what's really, actually what's really important is what we're thinking about. Cannonball is a two-year generosity initiative uh, that we're that we're going to give our commitments to at the end of this service. Uh, we're trying to raise $29.6 million over the next two years to accelerate the mission of this church. Very critical, very critical time. We uh, keep throwing up the picture from Norman Rockwell of the kid on the diving board because the truth of the matter is we're all afraid when it comes to money. We're all afraid to stand out on the edge of the diving board when it comes to money, and especially when there's a bad economy. It really makes it easy for us to go take our five loaves and our two fish and go eat them behind a tree because we don't think that we want to trust it with Jesus. And Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus talked about money more than any other subject, because where our treasure is, as I already read, our heart will be also. And I believe that if Jesus came and preached one sermon to any church in the 21st century, it would be about trusting God instead of your money. Because Wall Street's not in control of the economy. God is. God is the economy. That's the only thing that matters. God made five loaves and two fish feed 20,000 people. Jesus made water turn into wine. Jesus made money appear in places out of nowhere. He doesn't need Wall Street. He doesn't need, he actually doesn't even need us, okay? He doesn't need your money because it's not your money in the first place. But he doesn't need that. What he wants, what this is all about, and what I'm most excited about is the hearts of the people that, that I've been talking to as God's gotten a hold of them. It'll be great if we can build buildings and, and feed the poor and out of campus and, and do the things that we want to do. What I really think is awesome is that God's getting to our hearts. This is, I've been a pastor here for almost 22 years. This is the fourth time that we've done a major generosity initiative, okay? Um, the first time was in 1997, okay? I, I, want you to, I want you to grab a hold of this. Stand up for a minute, because some, some people still need seats anyway. So stand up for a minute. Let's do it this way. Here's what I want you to do. If you have come to this church since 2008, sit down, okay? I want you to look around, okay? This is, in, this is in the last three and a half years, okay? Okay, look at that. I mean, that's a bunch of people. If that many more people come in the next three and a half years, we need some room. All right, if you've come since 2004, sit down. That was the middle time that we did a generosity initiative, okay? These are all the people that have been here since 2004. They've been through two campaigns with us already. If you've been here since, if you've come since 1997, sit down. Only those of you who were 97 and before stay standing. All right, I want you to look around, and I want for you people that are sitting to thank the people that are standing right now for doing a cannonball. All right, you can all be seated. Because the truth of the matter is, because we decided to do a cannonball, 300 people decided to do a cannonball and stretch and sacrifice and give to buy this piece of property. That's why this is here. That's why you're here. Here's the growth chart. It shows you 1997 on that arrow. Things are creeping along pretty good. You know, everything's going okay. Up, down, up, down, staying about the same. And all of a sudden we decided, hey, the world needs Jesus. And we jumped off the, off the high dive and we did a splash. And that's what's happened. 
since 19, in the last 14 years. If that same percentage of growth happens, there's going to be 120,000 people coming to park to you 14 years from now. Okay? That's how much, that's how much we have grown in that time. I'll tell you what's gone on. Uh, Carlton Fisk, uh, the White Sox Hall of Famer, is friends. He doesn't go to Parkview, but he's friends with a bunch of people at his church. And, and he was talking to my friend Ronnie this last week, and somehow they got to talking about church. And, uh, and, and he said, uh, Ronnie, where do you go to church? And Ronnie said, I, I go to Parkview. And Fisk threw up his hands and said, who doesn't go to Parkview? <laughs> Everybody but you, Pudge. Man, we're waiting for you, okay? Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's what's going on. We're, we've, got, we've got so many people out there that need Jesus, so many people that we want to affect, and, and there are people that know about us. They're not even coming yet. They don't even know what's going on. We have to do something about it. We're doing it one fund this time, uh, meaning we're putting everything in one, in one pile, okay? None of this separate, different stuff. The, the half of that $29 million would have been our general fund that we would have done anyway. Because we've got to have children's ministry and student ministry and creative arts and the things that we do. Because we, we've baptized 2,300 people in the last three and a half years since the last time we did a dive. But, but we don't want to just baptize. Jesus said, go into the world and baptize and make disciples and teach them everything I have commanded you. We're trying to reach, raise, and release. So the, the, the part that would have been the general has to keep happening. So we're throwing that's the all-in part. The making waves part is the stuff we're going to do in addition. It's the stuff that we couldn't have done out of the general budget. We're going to put it all together, like adding a service and tech and staff at our Lockport campus, like adding another Lockport campus. Back in 2008, it was all about Lockport. This time it's about a new campus. We don't know where it is. Like doing more mission work, like uh, investing in uh, kids in Chicago that are stuck in the sex slave trade. It's ironic. If you were watching the news, paying attention this week, NBC uh, 10 o'clock news on Wednesday night did a whole thing on the Chicago sex slave trade that's going on. We're the second largest city for that, second busiest city for that in the nation. And they had a whole thing. If you want to see that, it's on my blog at timharlow.com. You can just go on there and and get the link and watch it. We want to build a safe house. We don't know how how we're going to do all this, but we want to do a a safe house for them. We We want to start churches all over the world. We're going to start churches in Cuba. We're going to start churches in Ireland. And get this, the Ireland church planter has already been figured out. The guy that's going to Ireland to plant, his name is Dermot O'Mahony. Can you get any more Irish than that? Dermot O'Mahony. I mean, he's going to do great in Ireland, isn't he? And we're going to do that. We're going to, we're doing mission work all over the world. We're going to add land and parking over here because we need it. We're going to add a tech upgrade here uh, at the Orland campus. We're going to add a foyer over on the east side of the building over there so that we've got more room to get in and out. On top of the foyer is going to be a chapel, 250-seat chapel to do weddings and funerals and extra events and the things that we need to do. And, uh, and then the eventual goal is to make room for more by knocking this wall out and adding up to 40% more seats in the auditorium so that we can reach more people. So we got room for for Pudge and whoever else is out there that, that, that figures out that they need Jesus along the way. We believe that God is going to do a big splash here today, and He already has been, and then ripple effects are going to go on to the ends of the, the earth. And the cool thing is, a cannonball can be done by anybody. If you don't get anything else, I hope you get this. We need everybody to jump in, okay? Everybody to jump in. What does this mean for us? This means personally, if you're already in, 
that um, you're already in. You're already in. You're doing giving regularly. Uh, we're hoping that you're going to be able to grow and sacrifice like a lot of us have decided to do for this cannonball. Um, and for some of you who maybe have never given before, this is even a better opportunity for you to jump in and make a splash. Maybe you're going to be tithing for the first time ever in your life. You're going to trust God's Word and actually do it. Maybe it's going to be more. Maybe there are people in this room that are able to give a really large gift and you've never done that to a church before. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to invest in a better place than what's getting ready to happen here. Maybe you came in here with a number for your card today and God's moving that number up. I believe that you're going to miss out if everybody who calls Parkview home doesn't jump in and do a splash. Personal story for me. Uh, my great-grandfather was good friends with Walter Knott, who is the founder of Knott's Berry Farm uh, out in California. Very famous theme park. Uh, the berry people he invented boysenberries. First theme park ever in uh, the United States of America out in California. Um, my uh, my gra- great-grandfather was in Riverside, California, and they were good friends. And Walter Knott, true story, asked my great-grandfather back in the day if he wanted to go in on the berry farm with him. And my great-grandfather said no. Okay? <clears throat> That's a true story. Uh, I, generations of Harlows have missed out because my great-grandfather didn't have the vision to see what could be. I'm hoping the generations of Parkview people don't miss out because we don't see the investment possibility that's getting ready to happen right now. I hope the generations of people are going to be touched by what's getting ready to happen. I, uh, I've, had, uh, two, um, I've had two theme kind of ideas here, deeply held convictions I've been talking about all the way through. The first one is that you can't outgive God, and I'm going to talk about that again today. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. We are a church that believes that. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That wasn't a quote from a TV preacher. That was a quote from God. Like the little boy last week who gave five loaves and two fish to Jesus and ended up with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. That's what I believe God does to us. But I don't believe that it's going to be money. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Not rich like the TV preachers say. I'm talking about rich in every way. Even if you are in a bad way right now, you've lost your job, you have no money. I'm guessing that when you sit around the table this Thursday and have Thanksgiving with your family, you're going to be able to think of something that you're thankful for. I've never been around a Thanksgiving table where somebody said, well, I'm thankful for my new flat screen. I'm thankful for my truck. I'm thankful for my 403B. I mean, if you're three years old, you do that. I'm thankful for my toys. Okay, great. Grow up. What we're really thankful for are our family, right? We're really thankful for, I'm really thankful for salvation. I'm really thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for love and joy and peace in my life. I'm thankful for my smoking hot wife. Boogity, 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 Amen. Right? That, that's my first conviction is that you, you know, and it's thankful to God, okay? Somebody sent me this cartoon. It's funny, but kind of it's not. And we wish to thank evolution for slowly turning some species of dinosaur into a walking ball of meat with a tiny head. No, God gave us the turkey. We're thankful, for the, we're thankful to God for the things that are important, and you cannot give God. The second theological conviction is that we're supposed to bring heaven to earth and earth to heaven. We're supposed to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and the kingdom of earth people back to heaven. Uh, I was pretty broken up last week coming back from Bolivia. My daughter's in South America working with street girls down there, and we were able to go down there. And since she's not going to be home for Thanksgiving, we decided to make Thanksgiving meal for all of them. Lauren uh, wrote about it on her blog. She said, 
As tradition, we run around the table. Well, let me let me play the video first. You got to see the video. Tell them Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's the only English they ever learned that whole day. Not bad, not bad. Um, you see the little babies around there. These are 14 to 16 year old girls who've been rescued from the street. Lauren said. As tradition, we went around the table, and each person had to say two things they were thankful for. As the girls started, I was shocked to hear them say things that I'd never heard them say so articulately before. I'm thankful that I'm here. I'm thankful for people who love me. I'm thankful because I learned to read. I'm thankful because I'm here and I have a place to sleep. I'm thankful for this family. We got around almost the whole table, and one of the girls who was very hardened from deep wounds a girl who probably learned it's just best not to cry when she was 10 years old, started sharing. I'm thankful that there are people who help me. I'm thankful that you wanted to share this with me. I'm thankful to taste my first turkey. I'm thankful, and she started crying, that I could just be here. Lauren wrote, her hard shell cracked, and it wasn't because of the tryptophan. That, my friends, is Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. That, that's what we're thankful for. You will be made rich in every way. This is our uh, picture of the gates outside the school we support in Nairobi. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> will you stand up for me? Keith Ham is our missionary to Nairobi, who just happens to be hanging out with me a little bit today. Thank you. He's one of the guys responsible for those schools in Nairobi that we're going to knock those gates down so that people can come to Jesus. Because when Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's not just that we sit back and we pray about it. We actually partner with God to do something about it. That's why we gave $32,000 away to single moms and single dads a couple of weeks ago because that's what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be about. And for some reason, God put me and you in this population window right here, this yellow mark right here, where where for some some reason, the time I was born, it was 3 billion people to today is 7 billion people. All of these people are here. And I don't know why God made me to be here. And I don't know why he made you to be here. But for some reason, he must have thought that we had the ability to partner with him to help him bring the prodigals home, to help make a place for the prodigals to come home to. He must have figured that out. And that when it comes to the gospel, as Paul said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call if they they haven't believed? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless somebody does something about it? And that's our job for 7 billion people. You may know this, but last Sunday afternoon in the middle of the Bears game, our dedicated, some of our dedicated leaders, our staff and our elders, and some of our dedicated leaders and volunteers got together uh, just to do an advanced commitment because we wanted to, as I read that scripture from David a couple of weeks ago where David talked about what he was going to give and then the leaders talked about what they were going to give, then it went on to the rest of the congregation. We did that last weekend so that I could tell you that 180 families, just 180 families, leadership volunteer families in the church have already designated $5.1 million towards Cannonball. And I want you to thank them for that. We are already well on our way. We have 10,000 families on our mailing list, okay? You've got to get, you get a hold of that. If everybody jumps in, we can actually make this happen. What's exciting for me about that 
is that nine of those households were first-time givers. And that's, that's who a bunch of you are going to be. You're like, yeah, maybe I threw some money in the plate, but I'm really going to commit to this. For, for, for some of you, it's going to be the first time that you've ever done that. And I'm excited, not because of what's going to happen with the money, but because of what's going to happen with your heart. Somebody went from $80 in the past two years to 2400 Another person went from $20 in the last two years to 8800 That's a 440% increase in their giving, and God's going to honor that. Another family went from, from $5,400 to pledge 40000 in the next two years to Cannonball. Crazy, radical, generous things that are going on. Sacrifices that are being made. And they're standing up, and I'm standing up saying, we're in, we're all in, and we're making waves, and we hope that you will be too. Here's a montage of some of them just telling you some of the things that God's doing in their heart. Are you ready, Parkview? It's time to make our impact. I'm giving up Starbucks for two years. It may sound like a little bit, but it adds up to a lot. I'm just going to be able to give all of that to Cannonball and see what God can do with it. I've been tithing my 10%, but I'm going to increase it now and give a little over 16%. Uh, I'm really excited about this giving, and um, I'm really excited to see what God's going to do with this. We're making less money, projected less money, but we're going to give more. We're just going to trust God, so we're just diving in with this thing. Going to eliminate uh, cable TV from our lives for two years. We're doubling our contributions. We're giving from our land. Cannonball! Thanks to the generosity to all of the people that came to Parkview before the gardeners. Our kids were able to grow up in a very godly church, and uh, they thrived here. And what price can you put on that? We're putting off saving for our house, putting off saving for college, putting off some retirement savings, and we're all in. We're just giving back to God what He really has given to us, the blessings we have had. And we're just excited to do that. Considering our tithe and then considering what we could give, we looked at the chart and we pushed it to the next level. And so that's our plan. We're not exactly sure how we're going to come up with the money, but... I have a really good feeling that we are actually going to blow past that amount. We've done this three times before, and every time God has provided, He's made it happen. And we're doubling our giving for the cannonball. This is the first time I'm tithing in my whole life, and I figured that it was about time. I was able to uh, pick up a few extra hours, and by picking up those few extra hours, I'm able to tithe. We are doubling our giving, and I'm going to sell my ring and give them the money to go forth into the world to make a cannonball splash. We're going to go all in by quadrupling our annual giving, as well as helping with uh, some of the construction needs. We're doubling our giving by giving one of our salaries each year for the next two years. Splash! I'm cannonballing, no toe sipping, no toe dipping. I'm going to cash in one of my CDs. We're going to put our house up for sale. Until my house goes, I'm going to be more than doubling. We've been pretty comfortable in our giving, but uh, we decided to try and do something that would scare us a little. Yep. And every time in the past when we've given, um, it's just always been we trust Him and God always provides. It just amazes us how He always comes through for us and shocks us with how He provides for us in every way.
they've decided to uh, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. I mean, think about, think back a little bit. Wouldn't it have been great if you could go back and say, hey, you know what, man, if I could take all the money that I lost in the stock market or I lost in real estate value or I lost in my 403B in the last three years and I could have invested that with God and, and just imagine what could have happened for the kingdom of heaven. Or let me put it this way. Um, what if you lived in the South in early 1865? Okay, I'm from the South. My middle name is Lee. Um, supposedly, I'm related to Robert E. Lee. You might be a redneck. Uh, that that kind of goes to that line right there. Everybody in the South is Timothy. I'm Timothy Lee. Uh, that, that's my middle name. I'm from the South. What if you lived in the South back in 1865, March of 1865? You, you, uh, Sherman has already marched through Atlanta. The, the war is not going the South's way at all. And, and you realize that things are getting ready to change in a big way and you're losing the war. <clears throat> and you're holding on to a bunch of these. This is a real Confederate $20 bill. I found a guy who's got a Civil War collection in our congregation. And this is a real Confederate $20 bill. You know what it's worth? Nothing, because there ain't no Confederate anymore. In March of 1865, if you would have had a bunch of $20 Confederate bills, wouldn't it have been smart for you to have taken it and changed it over for something that was going to last forever? In April of 1865, this is not worth anything. I want to tell you something, friends. This is worth something now. One minute after you die, it's not going to be worth a dime. It's not going to be worth anything. This is a test. That's what Jesus told us last week. This is a test of the emergency faith casting system. That's why you've been giving, given this test, this thing. And that's how we do a biblical cannonball, of, a cannonball of biblical proportions all together. My story today is from 1 Kings, 2 Kings. 2 Kings, Elisha runs into this... Um, this widow who is really down to her last little bit of oil. Oil was used for medicine. It was used for burning lamps, for cooking. It was like the money of that day. She was down to her last little bit of oil. And her sons were about to be sold off to pay for her debt. And she runs into this prophet of God named Elisha. And Elisha says, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. I just got to point that out real fast, okay? Remember how last week Jesus said, hey, what do you have to start with? It's always going to start with us. Elisha said, I want, I want to find out what you've got first. She said, oh, your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. And Elisha said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and do not ask for just a few. Something miraculous is getting ready to happen. So I want you to have faith. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to go out and get some empty jars. Okay? This is where I'm at today. I'm not asking for a few jars. I'm asking for a lot of jars. Because 4 million people live within a 30-minute drive time of our two campuses. 7 billion people live in the world, and a lot of them don't know Jesus. So I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to take a lot of faith and a lot of sacrifice, and I'm going to ask you to provide us with a lot of jars. Notice what he says. Do not ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. What he's telling her is the amount of jars that you have are going to determine the reward that you get, the return that you get. If it's just a couple of jars, you're going to get a couple of jars. If you get a bunch of jars, 200,000 jars, it's going to be 200,000 jars. It's up to you. Don't ask for just a few. Her temptation was what? Her temptation was to limit God by a little bit of faith. That's what her temptation was. I don't know how many she got. 
I don't know if she just got a couple, just went to one neighbor on each side, said, hey, you got any jars? Or if I'm hoping, this is what I'm hoping happened, that she went to everybody she knew and said, hey, I need some empty jars. you have any empty jars? I hope she got a cart and was walking through town. Bring out your jars. Bring out your jars. I hope that she was getting jars everywhere. She had jars in the basement and jars in the closet and jars everywhere in her house, all around. Because the amount of faith that she had was going to determine the amount of return that came back to her. Verse 4. Then, check this. Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Why? Why is she supposed to shut the door? This is really important. Only the people who get to participate in the miracle get to see the miracle. Okay? I mean, think about this. At the the wedding feast, who got to see the water turn into wine? Just a few disciples that were there. All the other other people at at the wedding, they knew it was some mighty fine wine, but they didn't have any idea where it came from, right? Feeding of the 5,000. What did they know? All they knew is they got fish and chips. That's all they knew. They didn't know where it came from. There was no camera on Jesus while He was multiplying it. Jesus never did the Chris Angel thing. You realize that, right? He never did. Only those who participated in the miracle got to see the miracle. When He resurrected, He didn't go on Springer, did He? He only appeared to 500 faithful people because... That's what happens. This may be the most profound thing I say in this entire thing. You don't get to be a part of the miracle unless you're part of the miracle. You don't get to be part of the miracle unless you're part of the miracle. So go inside, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and pour the oil into the jars. And as each one is filled, put it to the side. She had to be going, what? I've only got this much oil. How does that work? So she left him, and afterwards she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and all it says there is, she kept pouring. I'm sure her mouth was wide open, but she kept pouring. It was a multiplication miracle, just like the feeding of the 5,000. The oil just never stopped, because just like everybody else who had faith in Jesus, it was a miracle. For her, And then verse 7 says, She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. She was able to pay off her bills. She was blessed because she had faith in God. She had faith in Jesus to fill up the jars. People ask, what's the secret to Parkview? Why is Parkview growing? Why is God blessing it like He is? And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's not the leader. It's not the leader's. It's not the location. It's not the contemporary worship. It's not the Eminem remix we're going to do at the end of the service. It, it probably definitely isn't that. It, it is the jars. You want to know the secret? It's the jars. We keep bringing empty jars for God to fill up, and God keeps pouring. That's how it works. We bring the jars, God keeps pouring. Jesus constantly talked about the amount of faith that we have determining the amount of reward that we would get back. As a matter of fact, there's one passage where he went to his hometown of Nazareth and it says the people didn't believe Jesus there and he could do, literally, quote, no miracles there because of their lack of faith. There aren't miracles happening in your life. It's not because God can't do them. You can only be a part of the miracle if you're part of the miracle. What does it take to please God? Following rules, regulations, do's, don't? No. What does it take to please God? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. What you're getting ready to do if you participate in this cannonball miracle is demonstrate your faith in a tangible way, in an an actionable way. There's always action involved in our faith. When Jesus was teaching, at one point He gets to Luke chapter 9 and He says, if anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Do you know what this is? Uh, To borrow a phrase from the youngins from some text message uh, phraseology, this is the DTR talk. Okay, this is the DTR talk. If you don't know what that means because you're old, I didn't either, but I figured it out. It's define the relationship. If your boyfriend or girlfriend say, hey, we need to have the DTR talk, you go, oh, crud, right? That's what's going to happen. You're going to have the define the relationship talk. Let's figure out where we are in this relationship. And Jesus is saying, hey, all you people that are following me, this is really, really cool, but I'd like to have a DTR talk. And here's the deal. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay. And some of you hear that and you're like, that's cool, man. I want to take this to the next level, Jesus. And some of you are like the boyfriend is going, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm not ready for the DTR talk right now. I get that. Okay. I get that because this Jesus thing could be cool. You come in and, you know, there's free coffee and there's a nice place to sit and you just and you, you, and you chill for the weekend and, and you think, oh, i got a place to go and this is really cool and I give the, thir- the sermon a thumbs up or a thumbs down and the service a thumbs up and a thumbs down and I can decide whether I like the music or not. And then I walk out and I come back again and I do it all over again. But, but what Jesus is saying is, I want you to define the relationship. Kyle Eidelman asked it this way, are you a fan or a follower? Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to be a follower. And you go, well, wait a minute, we're all followers. Wait a minute. Well, think about what a fan is. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. That's the dictionary definition. Enthusiastic admirer. We're fans of a lot of things, right? You've got a lot of Bears shirts on out there, right? We're fans of sports. We're fans of TV shows. Some of you are fans of movies about teenage vampires. Really badly done movies about teenage vampires. Whatever, you're fans of a whole lot of different things, right? It's easy to come together and go, okay, we're going to be a fan. We're going to come in, we're going to open our program, get our free coffee and decide how everything works and come back next week. But that's not what Jesus asked for. And the problem was in Jesus' day, it was the same thing. The fans didn't like it when Jesus started saying, hey, where your treasure is, your heart is, so lay up treasure in heaven. They didn't like it when Jesus said, you know what, you can't serve God and money. They didn't like it when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He wasn't talking about Twitter, remember that. He was saying, I want you to be like me in that you would actually lay down your life for your brother. Greater love has no man than this. Then you act like me. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is ironically a 666. I had never noticed it before. It's a 666. John 666 says this. From this time, many of Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. From what time? From the time He had the DTR talk with them. The define the relationship talk. As soon as Jesus did that, they were like, okay, the miracles are cool and the free lunch is cool, but you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. And they turned away. Shouldn't surprise us, because maybe you've heard this before, but Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many people are on it, but narrow is the road that leads to life, and few find it. Few want to define the relationship with Jesus. 
as we read in John 6 that His followers had walked away, then He turns to His disciples, verse 67, and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? I don't know if He was angry, frustrated, disappointed. I know that He had a broken heart. Kyle Eidelman wrote it this way. He said, how would you feel if you started to date someone and then you took them to the movies for the first date and you bought them popcorn and drinks and snacks and you paid for the tickets and after the date you ask them out again and they say yes and you take them to a nice restaurant and you let them order whatever they want and you pay for it and you continue to do this and you continue to date this person you continue to spend money on them and you feel like you're having a real connection and just when you think things are really going to get serious you ask them out on a special date and they agree And you pick them up and you surprise them by taking them to the park. And you take a nice, long, romantic walk and you sit down at this appointed park bench that you had planned out all along and you have the DTR talk with them, the define the relationship talk with them. And you pour your heart out to them about how much you care for them and how much you want to make them happy and how glad you are that you're together. And just as you finish pouring out all of your affection for them, they look at you and go, is this the date? When are we going to go do something? And pretty soon you realize they were really just hanging out for the free stuff, for the things that you'd buy them, for the free meals, for the entertainment. Wouldn't that break your heart? I can imagine, Eidelman said, that that must be how Jesus felt. So he asked his disciples, these men he's grown closest to, whether or not they will leave. And in verse 68, we read Peter's beautiful response. It's kind of a no-brainer. Peter said, where else would we go? Lord, where else would we go? To whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. This commitment card that you're getting ready to look at is possibly the DTR moment for you in your spiritual life up to this point. Now, some of you got baptized recently. I mean, there's a lot of DTR moments in our life along the way. This is definitely one of them. This may be the define the relationship thing for you. I want to help you. I want to walk you through it before we get ready to do this at the end of our service. Then I hope that you'll be open and you'll say the same thing that Peter did. Lord, where else would we go? The all-in part of the commitment card, it's in the chair back in front of you if you want to look at it. The all-in part, that's what you would have done. It's a two-year period. What would I have usually done over the last two years? What would I have given? For me, that would have been my tithe. For some of you, it would be your tithe. It would be, okay, this is what I've already planned on giving over the next two years. Okay, That's the all-in part. It might be 5000 a year, 50000 a year. Remember, there's two years accumulated in here. We're going to do this over two years. It, it, this is where you say, okay, this is the part that I would have done. And it may be a sacrifice. It may have been a tithe for you. It may already have been, but this is what I would have done. The making waves part, the next part there, is the part where you say, okay, I'm going to live a radical lifestyle. I'm going to sacrifice something for Jesus. When Jesus says, are you going to leave too? I'm going to say, no, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to jump up to the next level. Let's define this relationship. I'm going to be dependent on you. Then if you go, and remember, there's two years in there, okay? However you figure it out, we got two years to deal with this. Over on the right, gifts from accumulated resources. What is that? Well, I don't know what it is. I mean, some people talked about stocks. Some people talked about selling out their retirement program, doing different things to try to make more room available, things that they've already got. One guy sold a bunch of junk out of his attic on eBay at our last campaign and made a thousand bucks. You don't even know what's sitting around. There's no idea. I gave up a Harley Fat Boy at our 2008 campaign. I said that last week. I had a Harley Fat Boy and I thought, you know what? I could sacrifice this. And I want to tell you something. It was a sacrifice. Because I love riding down the road on my Harley and doing the Harley wave. Do you know the Harley wave? 
Now, you, you do if you got one. You, you just, just stick your finger out. It's like, it's like I'm not really barely acknowledging you, right? This is it. You're, like, you're riding along. You'll see another Harley. You're like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. First time somebody did that to me, I was like, hey. They rode away really fast. You know what? I'm not in the club anymore. When I drive around in my 2002 Ford Explorer and stick my arm out, they just laugh at me, okay? It was a sacrifice. Maybe there's something that you can sacrifice for this. This time for us, um, there's a book. It's at a publisher right now. I'm hoping it's going to get published one way or another. All the proceeds from that book are going to go to Cannonball. We're going to give up buying new cars. I'm going to not do as much for retirement as I ought to since I'm now in the American Association of Retired People. I ought to have something in there, and, I, and then we're, we're not doing that, okay? But really, all of that is, I'm just giving you ideas of things that God might be doing in your life. The only thing that really matters, and hey, please, can we be in kindergarten just for a second? Put your name on it. Put your name on it. It doesn't do any good if we don't know who you are, okay? We don't know, we don't know what's going on if we don't have your name and information. Uh, the, the only thing that really matters is the two-year total. It's the bottom number. If all this other stuff is confusing, just say, okay, God, what is it that you want for me to do in the next two years? And can I just say this again? Everybody, we need everybody in on this. We need, you don't have to know what you're doing to make a cannonball. You jump in. It doesn't have to be a million dollars. You jump in. You get everybody get involved and make a sacrifice and do something. There's an old story about a, a doctor that lived in a French village, and uh, he, he spent his whole life taking care of all the members of this community. And when it came time for him to retire, the members of the community decided that they would all get together and, and give him a big gift. And what they would do is they would all take wine from their vineyards, and they would all dump it into one big barrel and give it to him so that he would have wine to last him for a very long time and kind of have this nice barrel of wine to remember all the things and to commemorate the love that they had for him. So the day came and they all came and they brought their wine and they dumped it in and they gave all the speeches and he went home feeling all the love of the people and he drew off a glass of wine and he started to drink it and he realized this didn't taste right and he dumped it out again and he pulled it, poured another cup and he pulled it up again to drink it and it was water. The whole thing was full of nothing but water and it dawned on him what had happened. Everybody had the same thought. Everybody thought, well, there's plenty of wine in this barrel. Nobody's going to notice if I just put water in there. I said, cannonball's not going to happen unless everybody jumps in and does this together. The gift chart's on the back. Um, Like somebody said in the video, I want to encourage you to look at a number that you think you could do and then pour it out to God go up to the next one. Harlow's are going to be one of the 25 families that are going to give $75,000 over the next two years. That is our tithe. That is uh, making waves and sacrificing. That is giving up some resources, all of that in together because we're all in and the leaders are all in and I want you to know that. Here's the part of the story that I left out. There was a verse that I left out. 2 Kings 4, verse 6. When all the jars were full, as she was pouring these jars full of wine, or of, out of, of oil out of this supernatural blessing that God had done, When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And that's when the oil stopped flowing. It had to happen sometime. But it doesn't have to happen in our lifetime. I would say that's the sad epitaph for a lot of churches. For some reason, the oil stopped flowing for them. Why? Because they stopped providing jars for God to do something in their life. For us, planting churches is a jar. 
adding schools in Kenya is a jar. A safe house is a jar. A new campus is a jar. A new service at Lockport is a jar. More room here is a jar. And we're going to keep providing jars so that the oil from God continues to flow and continues to flow. That's really what Cannonball is all about. It's finding more jars. I had breakfast with a couple of younger friends in the congregation this week, and they were encouraging me uh, to keep going with this and, and that they were happy to see my passion for this project because they said that they have been around ministers who got to my age. I think they were saying I was old. They saw ministers who got to my age and decided to coast. There's a lot of times a guy will get to 50 and he'll look back and he'll say, hey, you know, I could look back. I could look back and say, I've been done, done this for 28 years and, and God has done some amazing stuff. And uh, you know what? I need to work on my golf game because it's really terrible. I'm just going to coast for a little while. I could easily, nobody could fault me for saying we're big enough, we're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Nobody would fault me for that, would they? Let's just chill, but that's just not going to work for me. As long as I'm here, we're going to find more jars. Here's my goal in my life, in case you're wondering. I want to have a heart attack in the pulpit. I want my last check to bounce because I've given it all away. And I never want my golf game to go below a double-digit handicap. Okay? That's my goal. That's what I want to have happen. I'm always going to be providing more jars. And if you signed up for Parkview, we're always going to be providing more jars for God's Spirit, for His oil to flow into. That's exactly what's going to happen. So we're going to be... Um, taking just a minute at the end of the service, I'm going to show you a video, um, and then we're going to take a, a, a minute just to think about it, and I want you to write down on your card what you're going to do, okay? Uh, and then I'll get back up and tell you when it's time, and we're going to come forward. That's what these tubs are up here for. Um, we decide this is the best way to do this. We're going to come forward. You're going to put one of your dog tags in and hold on to the other one, okay? Um, these are easy off necklaces, in case you're wondering. Take one of your dog tags off and put it in and, and take your cannonball commitment card and throw it in and get communion and take it back to your seat and sit down and we're going to take communion together. Okay? If you're visiting, you still got to come up because this is where communion is. We, can't, we couldn't do any other way. All right? you, everybody's got to come forward. And can I encourage you, uh, look at it at like a road. Okay? We drive on the right side. This is the U.S. Drive on the right side coming up and the right side going back. This section, if you would go over to that side over there and half of this section over here, go that direction. We'll try to spread it out. It's going to be mayhem. We know that. We understand that. Um, it's okay. That's, that's the cool part about this. We're going to come. We're going to watch the video. We're going we're gonna to have some time to think. We're going to fill out our cards. We're going to come and I'll get back up and tell you. Come up, drop off your card, drop off your dog tag, get communion, go back and sit down. And hey, if you've already done one, you know, if you're one of those leaders that has done the advanced commitment thing, go ahead and throw another one in. Um, be an example. Uh, I promise we won't add them together. You know, we, we, we will take the, the higher number, but we won't add them together. Whatever God's doing in your life, okay? Uh, again, if you're visiting, you're still going to have to come forward and do this. That, that's the only way this is going to work. Uh, we're not trying to put any pressure on you. Uh, throw in the information card or just get communion or whatever. And then we're going to take communion together and have this closing number. I've been thinking about sacrifice a lot through this. A, a lot of us that have done this four times are, are kind of getting to the point where we're like, hey, when are we done? You know, why, why, why isn't it somebody else's turn to sacrifice? And this really hit home for me. Um, it's really hit home for me last week, Keith, as a matter of fact, when I was in Bolivia. Uh, Keith has given up his whole life to go live in Africa and raise his family over there. And 
my daughter was in Bolivia and we went over there last week. All three of my kids have a heart for missions. That's why I have an English son-in-law for crying out loud. And I have two kids in college right now studying for world missions. And while we were in Bolivia watching Lauren interact with these girls, speaking Spanish fluently, all of a sudden it started to dawn on I don't know why we, we really hadn't wanted to wrestle through this before, but it started to dawn on us that at some point in our life we could have grandkids in Latin America. And, and all of a sudden, it started to get really, really personal. Because we've done the money sacrifice thing for a long time. And we've sacrificed ourselves, and we moved away from our family so that we could go do ministry. But now God's asking for my kids. And that started to get really personal. And I kind of felt like Jesus said, are you going to leave too? To which my only obvious response could be, where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. If you want my life, it's not too much to ask. If you want my money, it's not too much to ask. If you want my kids, it's not too much to ask. It's a DTR moment for me, but I say yes. I hope that when you do this commitment, I hope that you get to the point where you realize with this card today, Jesus is saying, are you going to leave too? You get the opportunity to say, Jesus, a treasure in my heart are right here. I'm going to run the video, give you some time to think, and then I'll come back up and tell you when it's time. I tried not to watch because I wanted to just pray, but I was inspired to see a young, one of our young ladies walk by that's getting ready to go to Africa to be a Bible translator. I was inspired to meet a guy from Kenya that knows Dermot O'Mahony, for crying out loud. I don't know I don't know how God has all of this stuff all figured up but what we just did and I don't know what it was what we just did was a cannonball of biblical proportions because we just opened up our heart to the kingdom of heaven. So when you yes you may applaud I don't even know when we take this we remember that Jesus gave everything for us. So we take and we eat and we take this cup and we drink and we remember that He sacrificed His very blood. And when He asks us to give back, when He says, are you going to leave too? All we can say is, Lord, to whom would we go? Jesus, we come to You right now and say, Lord, You are the Holy One. You have the eternal words of life. We believe that You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we believe that whoever does believe in you will have eternal life and that is something that we are willing to cannonball all about wherever this goes all over the world father thank you we ask that you be with us as we close this out may the lord bless us and keep us may he make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us may the lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace may the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forever amen